0: All right, well, good morning to all of you again. I'm uh, here with my wife, Becca, who's also our worship director here at the church, and it's always such a joy to be able to share together and and Mm -hmm. teach the word of God together. So um, we're gonna continue on in our sermon series called Bringing Heaven to Earth. You might remember that this year has been called Heaven on Earth. We've been asking the Lord to bring heaven to earth in and through us. And we started the whole year focusing on heaven itself, Really just kind of discovering more about what our eternal home with Jesus is going to be like. I don't know about you, but that brought me a lot of hope. Did Mm -hmm. it bring you some hope? Maybe we just need to be reminded of that again, is that we have a place in Christ Jesus, eternal home in him. And uh, then in the new year, we started to kind of shift focus a little bit to ask the question, how do we bring heaven to earth? We've been focusing on the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, if you've missed any of those messages, I wanna encourage you to go back and and listen to those. And and now we're in this place where we're talking about different spiritual gifts, these different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, that we operate in to build his kingdom. And today, Beck and I wanna cover two of those gifts. And as I was thinking about these two gifts, um, I I believe that these two gifts have been on hibernation Mm, for a while. And, And maybe rightfully so. This isn't a moment of condemnation for us, but just because we've been in a world where we've been isolating, where we've been quarantining, where we've had to be six feet apart, and and for a season, rightfully so. But maybe because of that, these two gifts have suffered, gone into a bit of hibernation. The two gifts we want to talk to you about today is the gift of hospitality and the gift of service. Now you can see it a little bit, right? Maybe why these two gifts have gone into a bit of hibernation. Well, I think today could be a day where we call them out of hibernation. Today could be a day where we say, all right, Lord, we want to step back into exercising these gifts. You've given these good gifts to us, and we're thankful for them. And so we're going to talk about hospitality and service, and what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple things with each one of them. We want to give you a little bit of a definition of what the gift is. We want to talk about how Jesus teaches it and shows us these gifts, and then we want to give you some practical application of what does this mean for us today.
1: Sounds like a good plan.
0: It's a good plan. I'm a planner. He's
1: such a planner.
0: Becca jokes with me all the time. It's but
1: great for vacations.
0: The people like a plan. The people yeah. like to know where we're going, right? You like to know where plan. we're going? Come on, give me some support. Thank you. Yeah, you we, we like to know where we're going. Yes, so good. we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, but also Matthew's gospel chapter 5 mm-hmm. and Mark's gospel chapter 10. Let's talk about these two spiritual gifts, the gift of hospitality. Let me start by just kind of giving us a bit of an understanding of what this gift is. Um, The Greek word for hospitality is this this word philoxenos. Now, oftentimes, we might forget that this is a spiritual gift. It might not be on the top Mm -hmm. of most people's when you think of, oh, name the spiritual gifts. But it is. It's a spiritual gift of of hosting, of being hospitable. And the Greek word is philoxenos. Now, these are two words put together. It's important to know the two words. The first word philo is a word for love in the Greek language. You might know that there are several words for love in the Greek language. This is one of them. It's where we get the name of the city Philadelphia, the town of brotherly love or family love. So the, de- the, the first part of this word hospitality is this family love. And then xenos is the word for stranger. So hospitality means this ability, this special God-given ability to show family kind of love to the stranger. Mm. That's what our friends in Fighting for Freedom are doing right now on the border of Ukraine as they minister to people who they've never met before, making them feel welcome and welcoming them in and loving them. Some people have this real special gift Becca has this gift of hospitality. There's probably people coming over today for lunch that we don't know. It's just this this love for others, this family kind of love for the stranger. Maybe you know some people just like that. The other thing that I'm reminded of when I think of hospitality is usually in Scripture, we see it in 1 Peter 4, we see it in Romans chapter 12 when it talks about hospitality. It says, show hospitality. It's this active thing, it just doesn't happen. There's intentionality around it. You need to show hospitality. Mm -hmm. What this means is you need to make investment in it. You need to use your resources. You need to use the things God has given you to show this kind Mm -hmm. of welcoming love towards stranger. Mm -hmm. And we can have hospitality for others, for one another, and we can show hospitality to God as well as we welcome him into our lives. So that's a little bit about mm-hmm. what hospitality is. Now Becca's going to show us and, and share with us a little bit where we see it in the life of Jesus.
1: Well, I love that definition of hospitality because it gives it so much more meaning. Um, mm-hmm. And I cannot think of a better Sunday to be talking about showing family love to strangers. Um, may the Lord just continue to break our heart for that as we... Um, lean into and listen to and continue to support the things that are going on around the world right now. But I love that definition because it does give it meaning. If I'm, if I'm completely honest, when Brian talked to me a while back about speaking with him this Sunday, I was like, what's the topic? And he said, oh, it's on serving and hospitality. And immediately I thought in my head, I can't remember if I said this out loud or not, but I was like, oh, I want to teach on something important. And and I kind of felt that check in my spirit. and I kind of felt the Lord be like, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really, Becky, you don't think this is a spiritual gift? You might not think this is important because you must not fully understand it. And I thought, man, isn't that kind of how things are in our faith? The things that maybe we think are throwaway that aren't that important. It's like the Lord saying, it's only because you're ankle deep in Mm -hmm. it. Let me take you to deeper waters. Mm -hmm. Let me take you to deeper waters. And so the Lord brought me to one of my favorite passages that I do talk about a lot when we preach and it's the Sermon on the Mount. Now, many of us know Matthew 5, the blessed, you know, the Beatitudes, blessed are those who... But this time it had a deeper meaning for me because I had a a new understanding of the context and the people that Jesus was actually sharing this with. So let me take you a little bit into the context and, and the audience who received these words of Jesus. I think many of us, a lot of times, at least I do, when I think of Jesus' life and growing up, the Bible doesn't tell us too much about young Jesus and those first almost three decades of his life. Um, but history tells us about it. And when I think of Jesus, I always think of like Galilee. You know, he's from Galilee, the northern part of Israel. And, you know, it's agricultural. So I think of like beautiful blowing fields of grains and sheep on a hillside. And Jesus maybe whittling away something in a wood shop as a carpenter. And that's a beautiful picture, but that's actually not accurate at all. Um, we learn from history that Galilee had an extremely tumultuous Um, time and uh, tumultuous history is particularly at this time they were so heavily taxed by Herod the Great because Herod actually wanted to take over all of the Galileans land and so he taxed them so much that they could not even feed their own families there was such a heavy taxation there was tremendous amounts of poverty and the poverty brought sickness, brought disease, all sorts of disabilities because of the malnourishment. And so there were two great peasant uprisings. The Galileans like, rose up against uh, these, these oppressive leaders and it became so extreme that it caught the attention of Rome. And Rome basically then gave the orders to go in and just squash it. Stop the uprising. Now this is all happening as Jesus is growing up. So he grew up under Rome coming in. They actually hired the vassal kings from their surrounding areas to come in and just pillage and burn and kill and destroy the Galileans. Just crush them. That was the order. And so this is how Jesus grew up. He grew up under oppression he grew up under poverty, under mm. mourning, under loss, under people who were just, com- this just downtrodden, disheartened, hopeless, this is Jesus's life. Mm. And so now he begins his ministry in Galilee and he gathers people to himself on the side of a mountain and he reads to them, and he, or he says to them, blessed are you who are poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. This kingdom may not be for you, but there is a kingdom for you. Mm. And he says, blessed are you who mourn. Can't you almost see Jesus looking in the friends of his family members and his neighbors? The tremendous amount of loss and sadness. And Jesus says, blessed are you who mourn. You will be comforted one day. Mm. Blessed are those who are meek. The meek will inherit the earth. Not the strong, not those who rule over, but those who come under and who are meek. And he goes on to say these beautiful words, blessed are you who hunger and thirst, not just for food, we all hunger and thirst for food, but for righteousness. Mm. You will be filled. There will be a deep purposeful filling in your life. And he goes on, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers. Can you imagine receiving these words from Jesus? Three decades of oppression, and he says, blessed are you who are peacemakers. Being peacemakers will earn you the title of a child of God, not a revolutionary, but a peacemaker. You are children of God. This is who Jesus is, and he saw people. He saw them and he met them in their need. He saw them and he met them in their pain. He sees you and he meets you in your pain and your hurt and your need. He knows everything that you're going through. And he did then too. All throughout Jesus' ministry, he practices hospitality. Read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All throughout his life, he's practicing hospitality. He creates settings and cultivates environments where people feel known and people feel heard and people feel special. People feel that they belong. People feel that they are known. So what does this have to do with hospitality today? Have you ever been invited somewhere where when you reflect on that time after being there, I know we have and we come home, we'll be driving home that night, and we're like, man, I just feel really blessed after mm-hmm. being there. You feel really brought blessed. Maybe it was such a peaceful environment. There's such a sense of peace. Maybe you felt surprisingly known. Man, this is the first time we met these people. Mm. I just felt like we've made such a deep heart connection. You felt really special. I think of last night at this church, there were 90 people from our special needs community that were served dinner out in the fellowship mall. It was so beautiful. They had all the tables with candles and rose petals and they were served a steak dinner and families got to know one another and there were friendships that were being created. It was so special the environment i don't know how anyone would have walked into that setting and not felt like wow i'm somebody somebody cares about me and maybe it's not environment maybe it's a person hopefully we all have have encountered people in our lives that you meet them and and you just come alive you come alive maybe there are people who know how to ask great questions and they craft really good conversations or even like brian talked about last week they they bring words that bring life, encouragement. They hear God and they bring those kind of words that edify and comfort you. That's hospitality. Mm. They bring the best out of you. People who make you feel like your most genuine self. This is great hospitality. It's not just cooking a good meal. It's not just impressing people with a beautiful tablescape. It's creating environments Mm. and intentionally cultivating conversation where people feel rest and refreshment, and they feel that there's genuine relationship and interaction, they feel that they're known. You don't have to have a dining room table that seats 12 and fine china, Jesus didn't have any of that, Mm -hmm. he didn't. You can practice hospitality by hosting the presence of God in every environment that you find yourself in. Christ-like hospitality focuses on people feeling loved, not people being impressed. And when that is the genuine drive of our lives, no matter where you go, you can be in a grocery store line, you can be on the sideline of a soccer field, you can be at work, you can be at church, you can be in your home with your spouse or your children, and you can cultivate environments where people feel loved. And that's what Jesus did. He created this everywhere he went. And he was so passionate about it that he didn't just do it. He actually taught it. And he taught it to his disciples. He told his disciples at the end of the Good Samaritan story. He says, go and do likewise. Do this. Show this kind of love to strangers everywhere. Show this family love to strangers. In the, following the Beatitudes, Jesus looks at his disciples. And he says, you are the salt of the earth you are the light of the world go and be salt go and be light let your lives and your conversations be so savory that it reveals the kingdom of god that is counterintuitive to the way that the world is people take notice of that people will take notice of that make a difference by how you talk to others more importantly make a difference by how you listen to others by how you make time for others isn't it crazy? This world, it's like you think we have so much time and so many ways to connect, and we don't. But I, I would often say, if you just give people time, all the, like in five minutes, people will pour their hearts out to you if you genuinely care and you are hosting the presence of God. So people, Jesus taught and he showed people the presence of God through making time for them, walking with them, talking with them, providing for them praying for them, and then he calls us to go and do likewise. Be his apprentices, be his disciples, which means an apprentice, and do likewise. This is hospitality at its best.
0: Yeah, as I was thinking about hospitality, just a couple of points of application I was thinking about was one, I think it's time for us to invite people in. Mm. Um, I don't know, during the, the, the whole you know, quarantine time period, we all kind of created our bubbles, right? That was a good thing to do. And you had your little bubbles of people. And um, I sense the Lord just kind of saying, begin to burst your bubble Mm. (laughs) and invite people in. Prayerfully, ask the Lord, Lord, who am I supposed to be inviting in, into my life, to walk with me, to to come on over, to bless, to go for coffee with, uh, to share a word Mm -hmm. of encouragement. Encouragement. Invite people in. Keep your spiritual eyes open for those the Lord is calling you to minister to. And then the other thing I felt the Lord saying was not only invite people in, but carry peace out. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, be peacemakers, as Becca was saying. I love how when Jesus sends the 72 disciples out, he tells them, "You don't don't bring anything. You don't need to bring anything. But when you walk into a home, say peace to this Mm. home. Carry peace. This is what you're to carry. Carry peace. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage you to do that, intentionally do that. Don't just say, oh, I'm going to bring peace. Um, we have a bad habit as human beings of <laughs> falling into, you know, selfishness and mm-hmm. things like that. You have to be intentional you might even about say, bringing peace. You might
1: even say have a plan for it. Yes. Plan for it. <laughs>
0: that's good. That's, yeah,
1: it's good. though. That's good. It's
0: yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like it's that. true.
1: It's true. All throughout the New Testament, when they talk about hospitality, they say show hospitality, practice hospitality. Practice it. Give it a try. There are some places that we go into and we say, all right, we're not going to bring up this and we're not going to talk about this. And, hey, let's <laughs> redirect conversation over here, you know, because, because we want to be able to host the presence of God well.
0: Yes, yeah. absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about yeah. the gift of service. Yes. Let's pivot a little bit here. And um, we want to talk about, and these two really go hand in yeah. hand a bit, don't they? This yeah. idea of hosting and, and, and sharing family love with mm-hmm. stranger. But then, now let's talk a little bit about the gift of service.
1: Yeah, so serving, um, the word serving or servant actually, it, it uh, paints a picture. It, because the word literally means kicking up dust in a hurry in ministry to others. Isn't that a funny image? Like you're moving around and you're helping so much that like you're creating a dust storm, you know. And uh, I love that, I love that imagery. And so when I think of service or being servant hearted, Serving um, is kind of like this twofold understanding. I think of it as um, serving as Christians, it's like the legs to our faith. Mm. The legs of our faith. In James 2.19, he says, I'll show you my, my faith by my good deeds. I think we've become very good as Christians at talking good talk and talking about our values and our belief and our faith. Um, but the Christian faith is not about talking the good race. It's about Running the good race. It's about running the good race. The Christian faith is about running the good race. And so serving is like the legs. And you say, well, how strong are the legs of my faith? I'm going to tell you. Here's a good litmus test. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? Be honest with yourselves. Mm. Is it others-focused or is it self-focused? If it's others-focused, that's where your legs are going to be stronger and your faith is going to come alive. Mm. So um, service... it's like the legs to our faith. And then, and secondly, serving, it recalibrates us to the kingdom of God. And I love that word recalibrate because it means to change the way you do or think about things. Actually, when they talk about recalibrating systems, like the computer system in your car or something, it's, it's adjusting things so that it properly works. Hmm. Serving adjusts us so we properly work. So we work in the way that God has designed us to as his disciples, as his apprentices. And so serving recalibrates us. I, um, I used to say this when I would teach our newcomers lunches, and we talk about serving and serving in the life of the church. And imagine like you're a conduit, like a big empty PVC pipe. And, and you know, your life, um, you're like this piece of conduit, and the kingdom of heaven is like this giant faucet. And when you align, serving aligns you recalibrates you, and aligns you with the Spirit of God and the kingdom of God. And as we are aligned, it's like this water of the Spirit rushes through us and flows out into all those areas of our lives. And we become the truest sense of who God designed us to be. And we experience the fullness of life because we're operating in the fullness of the Spirit through serving. And so I love that, that imagery of the legs to our faith and then the recalibrating and realigning us to the purposes of God.
0: Yeah. I want to bring you to Mark's Gospel, Chapter 10. And this is where I believe Jesus really demonstrates and teaches his disciples um, what it means to live and lead. In Mark's Gospel, Chapter 10, uh, there's lots of different stories. You might remember a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about Bartimaeus. This story comes a little bit before that. Peter has already proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah there's this excitement in the air they're beginning to catch the fact that Jesus is the Messiah but they have a bit of a different understanding than the way that Jesus would act it out his disciples are, are getting pretty excited about this and, and Jesus makes his way towards Jerusalem there's this decision that's made I'm going to Jerusalem so there's this shift that takes place and now all of a sudden the disciples are thinking to themselves wow He's the Messiah. He's going to Jerusalem. Wow, what's going to happen here? Is he going to challenge the Romans? I think so if he is the Messiah. Is this it? Is this what we've been expecting and hoping for for so long? Is Jesus going to establish his kingdom finally? And so they're really excited about this. Now, while Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, he's doing something strange. You might not pick up on it unless you get deep into the study of this passage. But it says that Jesus walks ahead of them. Now as a rabbi, what a rabbi would always do is he would walk with his disciples. When you look at Jesus walking with his disciples in the other gospels and those different accounts, he's always walking alongside his disciples. Now you see in this moment Jesus walking ahead of them. This is why in the passage it says this about the disciples that they were amazed and astonished. And it says of the other followers, so it wasn't just the 12 who were following him at this point, there are a crowd of people following. It says that they were in fear why? Well, because they're looking at this Jesus who's now walking ahead of them with some urgency towards Jerusalem, and they're probably thinking in their heads, oh my goodness, we're going to overtake the Roman Empire. What's gonna happen here? Should we get ready for a fist fight? Should we get ready for this great uh, war that's gonna happen? There's this anxiousness, there's this, this fear. And so this is kind of the, the context of what's about to happen. Now, James and John, they take a look at this and they think to themselves, let's walk up to Jesus and let's let's kind of solidify our spots in his kingdom. Maybe some of us would be thinking the same. So they walk up to Jesus and, and I love how they, they kind of step into the question. They don't come right out with the question. They say, hey, Jesus, will you do whatever we ask of you? It's kind of like we were talking about yeah. this. If the kids were, <laughs> were to come to us and say, hey, papa, mama, Will, will you, hey, will you promise that you won't say no?
1: Yeah, right? that happens a lot.
0: It happens a lot, right? And what do you say as parents? No. <laughs> no, I can't. Continue on with your question, right? This is what the disciples are doing. They say, hey, hey can you promise that, you know, this, uh, thing? Jesus, he doesn't take the bait. He mm-hmm. just says, what do you want? And finally, James and John, they come out with it. Like, listen, we want the left and the right chairs right next to you. We, we wanna be your top advisors. This is what we're looking for. And and Jesus, you can read the story, but basically he says, I don't think you know what you're asking right Mm -hmm. now. Do you know what you're asking? Oh yeah, we totally get it. Okay, not quite sure. Now Jesus was very gracious. The other disciples, not so gracious. (laughs) When the James and John come back, it says they were indignant. They were upset at James and John. And I was wondering, why were they so upset? Was it because they got what Jesus was gonna do? No. I think they're upset because they didn't think of it first Mm. to go and solidify these two spots. How dare you go? You're not qualified for this. We're qualified for this. And they're upset. Jesus notices this, and he pulls everybody aside and brings them together for a teaching moment. I would call this the turning Mm. point of Mark's entire gospel. Mm. It's the turning point where Jesus is saying... It's not like that anymore, it's like this. Mm -hmm. He's turning towards Jerusalem physically, and now he's about to teach them something that's going to blow their minds. Mm. A a whole new way of life. And so, this is what Jesus says to them. He compares and contrasts Mm. the leadership style of the world compared to the leadership style of his kingdom. In verse 42, he talks about the leadership the world's way. He says, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. This is the world's model of leadership. It's domination, it's rule by force, uh, it's rule by power. And the Jews, they knew this style of leadership firsthand, they knew it very well. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks. And now the Romans, all were ruling over them with this power over mentality. This was the way to rule and lead. But then this is what Jesus says about the disciples, about us, about how we're to lead and live. I love it, he says, not so with you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You understand this picture, but it's not a picture for you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all, mm. This is an amazing statement. Jesus takes the world's model of leadership and living and he flips it upside down. Yeah. Leadership is not about power over. It's not about moving people in your direction. It's not about motivating them to your agenda. It's all about empowerment. Mm. It's about equipping people to be all God has called them to be. I love how the apostle Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, these are all leadership positions, right? And this is what he gave them for. To equip his people for works of Mm. service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up. What Jesus is trying to teach his disciples in this moment is hey, do you want to build the world or do you want to build my kingdom? And if you want to build my kingdom, here's how you do it, mm-hmm. by being a servant to all. I don't know if I want to be a servant to all.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I, don't want to, I don't know if I want to sacrifice for others. Well, then you're not going to build the kingdom of God. Yeah. If you want to be the king, build the kingdom of God, it happens through this gift of service. Mm. Jesus, he's trying to teach his disciples how his mission is going to be accomplished. Not through a power over, but a power under. Mm. Raising people up, serving them, Mm -hmm. and blessing them. His kingdom would be built, or heaven will come to earth when we stop practicing power over. But instead, we learn to be servants of all. When we learn how to bless. And I think the gift of service is the special ability Mm. to understand how the kingdom of God is built. This is the way that it's built. So maybe a point of application here. What does this mean for us today? Here's my question for you. Let's imagine that we are the disciples of Jesus while he's walking on earth. He makes this decision to turn towards Jerusalem. He's out ahead of us as he's walking. Now you're approaching Jesus as one of his disciples what would you be asking him right now?
1: Hmm.
0: Put it into the context of your life right now. What, what do you think, mm-hmm. not what would you hope you'd be asking him, right now based on, on, on who you are, where you are spiritually, your behavior right now, what do you think you would be asking him? Jesus, I want one of your special positions. Jesus, give me the power or could we in this moment humble ourselves and say Jesus we want to build your kingdom give me the strength to be your servant Mm. equip me and teach me how to serve others teach me what it means to bless my enemies teach me how to respond to those who hurt me with grace and forgiveness Jesus I don't want to build my kingdom I want to build your kingdom. Mm -hmm. I think he might be asking us that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's pretty easy to see what is actually the passion of our heart when we look at our, what we're emailing, what we're posting, what consumes our conversations around the table. We definitely need a recalibration. I think we are often, much like the disciples, uh, like prone to kinda go our own way in things and uh, his way is very counterintuitive. I would also say, you know, for serving. Seek out places. Like you said, ask the Lord to give you the eyes. Ask the Lord to give you a heart. And then seek out those places um, where God is working. Yeah. Seek out those places that, uh, that, that um, you see that there's a need and jump on board. I think sometimes we actually over-spiritualize some of this stuff, like, well, I need to take my 15, you know, spiritual gifts assessments, my personality tests, and then I need to sit with a life coach to decide where I'm going to serve if I'm going to (laughs) say yes to greeting once a month in the church. And it's (laughs) like, you know, um, just say yes. Yeah. That's kind of what I want to, like, just... It's
0: a great book out there on that.
1: (laughs) There is. The author's very cute. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um... Thank you. Yeah, but there is a like, there is so much that can happen when we just say yes, like yeah. give it a try. My life has been completely redirected because I said yes to serving in areas that I thought I had no business serving in, yeah. that I didn't even know that I had this heart and this passion for these areas of my life. But when I started serving in them, something came alive in me. Let's yeah. not over spiritualize it. Let's just let's say yes.
0: Yeah. We wanted to close uh, by praying. And uh, we really felt like the Lord wanted to kind of just light on fire or Mm -hmm. reinvigorate or bring alive again these two gifts of hospitality and service. And and like I said, I think rightfully so, um, these gifts maybe have gone into a bit of a hibernation. But now it's time to to call them out again Mm -hmm. and ask the Lord to really bless us. There are times in life where the Lord just kind of comes and touches his people. Yes. And so I'm going to ask Becca to pray in a moment, and and I'm just kind of envisioning Jesus kind of walking through our spaces in your homes, even in our campuses, and just kind of touching us on the head Mm -hmm. to uh, anoint us and and give us and grant us these these gifts of hospitality and service. And so uh, maybe even as Becca prays, you want to be in a posture of, Mm -hmm. of receiving. And uh, you can just kind of hold your hands out if you feel comfortable or, or however you, uh, you want to get into that posture. I want to encourage you to do that now. But yeah, let's pray. let's
1: pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are always with us. Mm-hmm. I thank you that you have good plans and purposes, that you have designed us with specific gifts and for a specific reason. And we come today, Lord, with a deep desire to align ourselves with you. Father, I pray for each person here who needs to just have your words of comfort and rest and peace spoken over their lives. Would you just breathe new life into their situations? Lord, I pray that they would experience the power of your presence, your comfort, your hope, your direction, your rest, your correction, Lord, would you just speak in a way that changes us forever and draws us to yourself? And in doing so, Lord, would you empower us to host your presence everywhere we go? Would you empower us to be light, that our conversations would be seasoned with salt, that everywhere we went, we would turn the ways of this world upside down as we bring the kingdom of God? Lord, would you give us the gift of hospitality? And Father, I pray that you would put such a deep burning in our hearts to be servants of all. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you, in your gentleness and in your mercy, would continue to correct us and give us a mind of Christ. Give us the mind of the kingdom of your kingdom and not our own. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen the legs of our faith, that you would recalibrate us, that you would give us a new perspective. Lord, I pray that you would give us a new language as we serve others, that you would open our ears and that we might hear from you to bless others everywhere we go. And I pray that as people say yes, Lord, that you would bring friendship, that you would bring relationship, and that you would bring the power of your kingdom working in and through each person here. Lord, we, pray, we just pray for a, a, a refreshing wind of the Spirit. Take us into deeper waters. Refine us and renew us and set us on fire to do your will and not our own so that your kingdom may come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you, Lord. We trust you, we love you, and we bless you And all God's people said together, amen.